Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RV32 preseason team preview series. My name is Mike Randall. You can follow me at RandallRant on Twitter. Today is the Detroit Lions preview of the 2018 hashtag RV32 team preview series, a special edition of Rotobiz Radio. I'll be joined in just a few moments by Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press. You can follow him on Twitter at Dave Burkett. But before we get started, I want to let all of you know that as a listener to this podcast, you can save yourself 30% on a Rotoviz NFL pass at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The subscription will give you access to all of the NFL content and tools, and best of all, it helps support the pod. For those of you who don't know, Rotoviz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over a thousand articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. Go to rotoviz.com to check out the site. Again, our guest today is Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press. In this episode, he talks about the Lions' revamped offensive line, whether the Lions' backfield is a true three-headed monster, as most fantasy owners believe, and how the departure of Eric Ebron and emergence of Kenny Galladay will affect the target distribution. After the interview, we'll take a few minutes to think about what Dave said and take a closer look at the Lions' offense using some of the great apps at Rotoviz. And now, let's bring on the guest. We are pleased to welcome to the RV32 Rotoviz Radio Team Preview Series, Dave Burkett. Dave is a Lions beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. You can follow him on Twitter at Dave Burkett. Dave joins us for a few minutes on the RV32 Preview Series to talk about the Lions. Dave, thanks for a few minutes today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Fantastic. So let's start. The Lions had a coaching change right at the top with the hiring of Matt Patricia as the head coach. He brings with him 20 years of coaching experience between college and the pros and the past 14 seasons he's been with the New England Patriots. He brought in Paul Pasqualoni to be the defensive coordinator and kept some stability by retaining Jim Bob Cooter as the offensive coordinator. How have things looked so far at training camp and what is different about the team under Patricia so far? It's definitely different. I mean, you know, just the the way they go about their business in training camp, I think, is is the thing that struck most people. There's, look, Matt Patricia has had these guys in in pads a lot. You know, he's uh, he 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 wants to have a physical team. He so he's trying to build that toughness in the guys, and you can see that in some of the drills they do. And that's look when Jim Caldwell was coaching the team. You know, they practiced for an hour and forty five minutes, and Jim was very conscious about taking care of his players' body. Under Matt Patricia, the Lions are out on the field for two and a half hours, and you know it, it, it's a little bit more physical work. Um, you know, again, this is he wants to install a different mentality. He he wants to have a tougher team, a team that's better in the run game. We'll see how that plays out over the course of the season and what that does to players' bodies, though, as well. You know, one of those major improvements personnel-wise occurred with the physicality on the offensive line. The line struggled last year in pass protection. They allowed 47 sacks and 199 pressures. The center Graham Glasgow stood out last season, but the rest of the line was suffering with some injuries and it was sort of in and out. Taylor Decker looks to be back 100% to start the year. He missed eight games last year. And the Lions, of course, drafted promising Arkansas center Frank Ragnow in the first round of the draft. For an offensive line that struggled in pass blocking and, and you know, for a run game that's really struggled to get sort of to the top of the NFL echelon there, do you think these improvements will produce the best all-around offensive line that Detroit's had in quite some time? I think it's all about the health up front there. You know, you mentioned that Taylor Decker missed half the season last year. TJ Lang and Rick Wagner were, were in and out of the lineup, kind of beat up with some injuries. You know, Glasgow was the only guy that, that played every single snap on the offense. And so, look, if they can keep those guys healthy, you throw Ragnow in the mix, they've got a pretty good 
front, you know, pretty talented front. They've invested a lot of resources in it. Taylor Decker was a first round pick, Ragnall first round pick, Glasgow a third rounder, you know, and they spent pretty big on Lang and Wagner and free agency. So they've certainly made the investment in there. Uh, and I think they have a little more depth too, in case something does happen, but you know, we're, we're still, we're still seeing that, that this is, it's still a little bit of a work in progress right now. I mean, a little bit of a new, new scheme. Again, they want to be tougher and more physical in the run game. Some of those guys maybe aren't quite as built for that. So I'm hopeful. I think they have the potential to be good up front. Uh, but I think there's, there's a lot of ifs right now that have to go well for that to happen. Now we've heard great things about rag now, but it looks like they're going to move him to uh gar. Is that correct? Yeah. He's going to play left guard for them. And you're right. He's look, he's had a really good camp so far. Um, you know, I, I know there are a lot of teams behind the Lions in the draft that, that liked Ragnow and, and maybe would have taken him the Cincinnati Bengals, New England Patriots, and Minnesota Vikings. But I can tell you that, you know, the Lions are extremely thrilled with, with what he's shown so far. Uh, and as a rookie, you know, he, he looks like he's got a really bright future ahead of him. With such a potentially strong offensive line, we turn our attention to the running backs, of course. Lions have struggled in short yardage situations. You know, you're third and short, fourth and short as well. So they signed 31-year-old LeGarrette Blunt, and he should address those concerns. They also spe- spent a second-round pick on the versatile Carrion Johnson from Auburn. And, of course, they have the a prolific pass-catching running back Theo Riddick as well. Do you handicap this run game as a true three-headed monster, or do you see Carrion Johnson maybe sort of developing into the main running back early in the season? Well, you know, I'll take Patricia at his word in in the fact that, you know, he says you need to have more than one running back to succeed in the NFL. And I do think Blunt and Theoretic will will have roles. But, look, you don't trade up to get a running back in round two unless you plan to use him and really think a lot of them. And, you know, I've I've mentioned this this before in some of the things I've written that the last five running backs that teams have traded up to get in the first three rounds of the draft are Melvin Gordon, Elvin Kamara, uh, Delvin Cook, Kareem Hunt, and now Carrion Johnson. So if Johnson can, you know, approximate what those guys are, the Lions will be really happy. And I do think by the end of the year, you'll see him playing, you know, the bulk of the snaps in the backfield. A hundred percent. He can make a, a huge, huge impact. The Lions are very talented on offense. They have a strong group of receivers as well. Marvin Jones and Golden Tate lead the way. They both had excellent campaigns in 2017. Tate had his fourth consecutive season of 90-plus receptions, and Jones was amazingly efficient. He had nine TDs on just the 61 catches. Former first-round selection tight end Eric Ebron is now in Indianapolis, so that vacates 86 targets. And everyone is wondering about Kenny Galladay and what that impact is going to be as well. Well, now they did bring in uh, Luke Wilson, who's very reliable from Seattle. So, how do you see those Ebron targets being distributed, and what do you think the Kenny Galladay effect will be as the season goes on? Look, I'm really high on the Lions' offensive skill players. I think Carryon Johnson, Kenny Galladay. I think those guys are both going to be really good in time. And and I look, it wouldn't surprise me if I, you know Golden Tate's going to be who he is. He's going to catch 80 or 90 passes. That's what he's done every single year in Detroit. And Marvin Jones is. You know, he's routinely getting behind defensive backs. We saw it in, in joint practices with the Oakland Raiders, and, and we've seen it you know, going against his own guys in Detroit, though him and Slay, Darius Slay, have a pretty good matchup. But I think Kenny Galladay and what he brings to this offense can, can be a little something special. I mean, he's a big guy. He knows how to use his body. He's going to be a red zone target. Um, he's going to take a lot of those 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 looks that went to Eric Ebron. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Lions have three wide receivers who you know have sixty or more catches this year. I just think all three of those guys, as long as they stay healthy, are in for pretty big years. So Dave, you're not concerned with Galladay sort of affecting Marvin Jones. You really see him as taking the Ebron targets and, and Jones being able to maintain his production that he had last year. 
Yeah, I, I think the Lions are going to play a lot of three wide receiver this year. You know, they used a lot of two tight end sets last year. I don't think they'll do that quite as much. You will see them use a little bit of, you know, two back. They have a fullback on the roster now, but I think Kenny Galladay, um, yeah, I think he and Marvin Jones complement each other well enough. Jones just being a great deep threat that, that they can both be on the field at the same time and both sort of eat from the same plate. You know, turning our attention to the defense, they were okay last year, but again, battled some injuries. They have some big-time defensive stars, Ziggy Anza and, of course, Darius Slay. They spent a third-round pick on safety Tracy Walker and a fourth-round pick on defensive end Deshaun Hand. How do you see the defense sort of coming together here in a very tough NFC North in year one under Paul Pasqualoni? Yeah, that's the biggest question on the team right now is still, you know, what's that defense you know, not only going to look like, I guess, but, but you know, how are they going to get pressure on quarterbacks? You know, Darius Slay, I think he's a, a bona fide star cornerback, and I think he's a really good player, but but there's a lot of question marks beyond him. And they have some depth in the secondary, but up front they're counting on Ziggy Ansah to, to provide most of that, that pass rush. And, look, he's been hurt the last two years, hasn't been extremely consistent. I know he had 12 sacks last year, but, you know, nine of those came in three games. And, hey, they, they, they all count the same, right? You get 12 at the end of the day, but the Lions need a little more consistency out of their pass rush. Uh, and maybe a little more variety. I mean, they're going to blitz Devon Kennard. You know, they're, they're a strong side linebacker that they added. They'll, you'll see them do some different things with their defensive backs and linebackers in terms of bringing pressure. But I just don't know that they have enough depth and playmakers up front, you know, to be a top half of the NFL defense. So we really appreciate a few minutes, Dave. Last question, then we'll get you out of here. The Lions have been above 503 of the last four seasons. They have a very difficult schedule this year, particularly in the beginning of the schedule. They go to San Francisco. They have the Patriots, Cowboys, and, of course, all the games within the division, Packers, Vikings, and an improved Bears team as well. Las Vegas has their over-under win total right at that 7.5 number. You're the expert on the Lions. How do you see the first year of the Matt Patricia regime ending, and, and do you possibly see a playoff trip for this Lions team? I'd take over on seven and a half, but only slightly. I mean, I think they can be in the playoff mix at the end of the day, but I think they'll ultimately end up, you know, maybe in the same situation they were last year, the last couple of years, right around that eight or nine win mark. I mean, you look at the NFC North, to me, when you have Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers are always going to be, you know, a Super Bowl contender. I think the Vikings are legitimate. I mean, that a defense, one of the best in the league, plus all the weapons they have on offense, Kirk Cousins at quarterback. I think the Lions, I think offensively they can match up with anybody. Maybe they have a more complete team than the, the Packers, but I just, I think there's too many cracks in defense right now and maybe still a couple questions about that offensive line and i think those things are going to ultimately keep them out of the playoffs in year one of the matt patricia era well dave we can't thank you enough that's dave burkett who's a lions beat writer for the detroit free press certainly follow him and, and he's got some great insight there on twitter at dave burkett dave thanks so much for a few minutes on the lions obviously we're very interested here in the fantasy community this is a, a team that we really think can have a big impact and we appreciate your insight here on the rv32 team preview series Happy to do it. We'll talk again. That was Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press. You can follow him on Twitter at Dave Burkett. When we return, we'll take a few minutes to consider what he said. As you know, the NFL season is quickly approaching. Get ready for it with a subscription to a Rotoviz NFL Pass, which you can get right now for 30% off. This discount is for listeners of the podcast only, and it's available through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools, and best of all, it helps support the pod. Again, be sure to get your 30% discount for an NFL pass at rotobiz.com forward slash podcast. 
We thank Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press for hopping on the podcast for a few minutes to talk about the Lions. He gave us some great insight there on the playmakers and also some of the less well-known parts of the Lions, like the offensive line. And that's really an area that the Lions have targeted for improvement in 2018. That's where I want to start. You know, they really struggled in both run blocking and pass blocking last season. Lions ranked last in the league, only 1,221 rushing yards, and they allowed 199 pressures and almost three sacks per game. Now, they made some nice additions to the offensive line prior to last year. Right guard TJ Lang came over from the Packers, and right tackle Rick Wagner came over from the Ravens, and those were good investments as they became the Lions' best pass protectors. However, Detroit did struggle on the ground and averaged only 3.35 rushing yards, which was the fewest in the NFL. Even more important, according to Warren Sharp, on outside zone runs, which is what Detroit does most frequently, they averaged just 0.45 yards before contact, which was sixth lowest in the NFL. So when they were trying to run something outside, they were getting hit right away. However, the Lions did recognize this issue, and they made it a priority in the NFL draft. They drafted Arkansas center Frank Ragnow, who Dave talked about and, and everyone in Lions camp is raving about, with the 20th overall pick in the first round. And they took tackle Terrell Crosby from Oregon in the fifth round. And then they took bruising, blocking fullback Nick Bowden in the seventh round from San Diego State. Now, unfortunately, Bowden tore his ACL in training camp, and he's going to miss the entire season. But that theme was there. Uh, the Lions recognized the offensive line was a weakness, and they made it a priority to address it in the offseason through both free agency and the draft. Their current line projects as follows. Taylor Decker, who returned from a torn labrum, is going to come back to his starting spot. Frank Ragnow's not going to start at center. He's going to start at left guard. Graham Glasgow, who grayed out very well last year, according to Pro Football Focus, will start this year as the center. Right guard TJ Lang and right tackle Rick Wagner. So, I feel this is the best offensive line Detroit has produced in quite some time, and it should function well in both the passing and the running game. So upgrading that offensive line really was key. Next, we talked to Dave about that running back situation and whether he thought it really was going to be a three-headed monster slash running back by committee. He reminded us that Matt Patricia said in his press conference that he follows the Bill Belichick philosophy that you do need more than one running back. But what's interesting is that Bill Belichick philosophy also produces tremendous running back fantasy production every season, particularly at the goal line. LeGarrette Blunt, who is with Bill Belichick in New England, was leading the league in touchdowns on multiple seasons. Stephen Ridley was fantasy relevant there. Last year, Rex Burkhead was relevant. Then he got injured. Deion Lewis came in. So figuring out exactly how this backfield is going to perform, I think, is a key to fantasy success this season. And the app I'm going to do that with is the Rotoviz Projection Machine, on rotaviz.com, great suite of apps. The projection machine under the fantasy football draft prep tab is tremendous. And what I could do is look back over the last five years at the number of rushing attempts that the Lions have averaged. Now, if we go back to 2013, they had 483 rushing attempts and 634 passing attempts. Just tremendous play production that year. But their rushing attempts have dropped. They went to 396 in 2014, then 354, then 350. Last year, they're back up a little bit to 363. So I'm going to project them for a little bit over 400 rushing attempts this year. I think they're going to crack that barrier for the first time since 2013. I'll put them right around the 430 rushing mark. And if you look at the rushing attempts, Matt Stafford always takes a few. Last year, Stafford actually rushed on 8% of the total attempts. I think as he gets older here, they're going to want to try to keep him from injury. So I put him down at 6%. For Theo Riddick, who is the satellite back, in the past... 
Theo Riddick has usually received almost one quarter of their rushing attempts. Last three years, Theo Riddick has had 25% of the rushing attempts, 25% and 23%. So I'll put him at 24 rushing, 24% of the rushing attempts, which is 103 rushing attempts on the season. Now, Garrett Blunt is old. He's 31 years old. He's pretty much going to be a goal line and short yarded specialist. So I don't see him getting a tremendous share of the rushing attempts. I'm going to put him at 86 rushing attempts. He'll get a few sprinkled in. Maybe there's positive game script and they want to kill the clock like he used to in New England. So I have 103 rushing attempts for Theo Rick, only 86 for LeGarrette Blunt, which of course means that I see rookie Carrion Johnson getting 50% of the rushing attempts. I think Carrion Johnson is going to hit that 200 mark. I have him at 215 rushing attempts on the season. Drafted him early in the second round out of Auburn. He profiles as a talented running back who can catch it and run with it. He's six foot, 213 pound running back, so he's big, sort of an upright runner. I think they're going to feed him the ball, and he certainly could get some of the goal line work as well. So if we look at the total yards, I have Theo Riddick projected for 351 rushing yards. I have LeGarrette Blunt for 267, and I have Karrion Johnson for 882. So I don't think any of these running backs are going to crack a 1,000 yards. I think Patricia is telling the truth, like Dave said. I do think that Johnson's going to take the lead role. Looking at rushing touchdowns, I think LeGarrette Blunt is safe for five rushing touchdowns. I can see him getting that goal line work. I could also see him getting with Karrion Johnson. So I'm going to give Blunt five rushing touchdowns. Riddick always gets some here and there. Uh, he's had three last, he had three last year, one the year before. So I'll give him two this year and I'll give Karrion Johnson eight rushing touchdowns. So that's how I think it's going to be split. I think when they get in close, they're certainly going to run the ball. They have, they're, they're built with a solid offensive line. They, they've committed to it. They want to get better at short yardage. So I see those three running backs being a running back by committee. But if you had to pick one, certainly I'm going to go with Karrion Johnson because Theo Riddick's not going to get a ton of between the tackles runs and LeGarrette Blunt's not going to catch a lot of passes. But Karrion Johnson is the most well-rounded back there. As far as the receptions, Theo Riddick to me is a lock for at least 70 receptions in this offense. Last three years, he's had 71, 67 he had in 2016, but only played in 10 games, and he had 99 in 2015. So I have 74 receptions for Theo Riddick this year for 619 yards and two touchdowns. So he's had two, he had two last year, he had five the year before, but with Carrion Johnson there getting some of the receptions, I see that, that touchdown number coming down a little bit. And Carrion Johnson, I think will be solid. I have 48 receptions for him, 318 yards, and one receiving touchdown. So that's how I sort of handicap the backfield, breaking down. Riddick has that solid role in the, in the two minute drill and the, and the priority passing down situations. They're not going to give Carrion Johnson the ball right away and start rushing him 15 times a game. I see them working him in here and there. Blunt is the short yardage back, but they want to develop one of these runners to be a player that's on the field and who doesn't telegraph what's going to happen. So Riddick isn't great between the tackles. He doesn't, his yards per carry have never been good. Last five years, 2.8, 2.6, 3.1, 4.0, and 3.0 yards per attempt. So he's not a great between the tackles runner. Carry on Johnson can really fit both of those roles. So if you're going to draft one, I think he's the way to go. And I certainly see him getting a little bit over 200 rushing attempts and still catching, I don't know, 45 to, to 50 passes. And then the last thing I want to talk about and take a, a closer look at, and I'm going to use the Rotoviz Game Splits app, which is probably my favorite one, is the reception breakdown between Marvin Jones, Golden Tate, and of course, Kenny Galladay coming forward. Now, we mentioned that Eric Ebron, tight end, who really did not work out there. He was 
kind of a bust in not so many words. When you spend a first-round pick, early first-round pick on a tight end, and he's no longer on your team anymore and doesn't make it out of that first contract, that certainly is a frustrating thing. But he leaves 86 targets. Luke Wilson comes over from Seattle where he's been for five years. And the amount of receptions that he's had in that time, 20, 22, 17, 15, and 15. So I don't see Luke Wilson coming into this explosive offense with three running backs who are all going to be involved in the offense and these receivers who are extremely accomplished and have been very productive in both NFL actual football and fantasy football as well over the last several years. I just don't see Luke Wilson coming in and taking a a dominant part of the reception. So what I'm focusing on here is Marvin Jones versus Golden Tate versus Kenny Galladay. Golden Tate, as Dave mentioned, is going to produce. Last four years, he's had over 90 receptions each of those four seasons. He's had over 1,000 receiving yards in three of those four seasons. Now, the touchdowns aren't high with Golden Tate. He's had four, six, four, and five, respectively. But I certainly think he is safe for at least 80 receptions, which makes him a very viable wide receiver, too, in PPR formats. So his role for the short to intermediate routes is safe. But the issue is Marvin Jones versus Kenny Galladay. Now, Dave talks about how both of them can produce while being on the field at the same time. I have my doubts on that. If you use the Road of His Game Splits app and you look last season at Galladay's rookie year, there were 11 games that Marvin Jones played with Galladay and five he played without. When Galladay was not on the field, and Jones was by himself, he averaged five more PPR points per game. 17.5 fantasy PPR points per game when Kenny Galladay did not play and only 12.49 when he did. Receptions for Marvin Jones, 5.4 without Galladay, 3.0 with Kenny Galladay, only three receptions. Touchdowns were about the same, so he he was productive in the end zone and is is a red zone target there for Matt Stafford, regardless of whether Galladay's there, which is interesting because Galladay does profile as a dangerous receiver in the end zone. His targets went down from 9.8 to 5.2, and of course, one of the biggest surprises His receiving yards, Marvin Jones averaged 85.4 receiving yards per game when Kenny Galladay did not play last year. That projects, folks, to 1,366 receiving yards, which absolutely is a wide receiver one, even with below average touchdown production. And with Galladay, only 61.27. And I think that's a decision that you have to make in your redraft leagues. Golden Tate right now is the first Detroit receiver off the board. He's going in round four, wide receiver 19. Shortly after him, Marvin Jones is going, usually by the end of round five, he is wide receiver 26. And then Kenny Galladay does not come off the board on average in PPR formats until roughly round 13. He is wide receiver 58. So if you're looking for value, if you're looking for one of those three who's going to outproduce that, unless Galladay gets injured, I don't see how he doesn't blow by that wide receiver 58 round 1380p. I think that that's tremendous value. And listen, Marvin Jones last year, the nine touchdowns on 61 receptions, that is almost unsustainable efficiency. So... I would take a look at Galladay. I think his price is right in redraft. I know Dynasty Leaguers are looking at him. But if he stays healthy for 16 games, I don't see why, according to that Game Splits app on Rotobiz, I don't see why Marvin Jones is producing more than his average, which was three receptions on five targets, 61 receiving yards. I don't see it. And that projects to a little under 1,000 yards. And that projects to about 49 receptions and, you know, maybe seven or eight touchdowns. That's not going to be wide receiver two material. It's going to be sort of fringe wide receiver two, wide receiver three. But where you're drafting him, you're going to be disappointed with that, which is why I would sort of look at Galladay. But no doubt, Dave agrees. Their offense is explosive. There's a lot of fantasy value here as long as you handicap it right. 
And that's going to do it for the Lions episode of the 2018 Hashtag RV32 Road of His Radio Team Preview Series. Again, our guest today was Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press. You can follow him on Twitter at Dave Burkett. My name is Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. Please make sure to stay tuned. We're going through these teams in the NFL Preview Series, and we're going to have a ton more coming up in the next few weeks. So certainly stay ready for that. Listen to the podcast and follow the pod on Twitter at Road of His Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the 2018 Rotoviz Radio Team Preview Series. Our assistant executive producer is Colin Kelly, and our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>